0: Isn't that a blessing? I love to hear Brother Schwartz sing. What a blessing. There's no greater news in all the world than just to know the simple truth that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. And there's nothing that will change that. One of the lies the devil tells often is that God doesn't love you. Oh my goodness. He's done so much to prove his love for us. And every day he does. I want you to notice in First Samuel chapter one. And I'll not read through the whole story. The story is somewhat of a familiar story to the average Bible reader and churchgoer. Hannah is without children and she hungers to have a child and we find her at the altar and she is weeping. She's not just praying. In fact, it appears that she is weeping uncontrollably to the place that Eli, the priest, he watches her and he says, she appears to be drunken. She appears to not be in control, but she was. Her heart was broken because she did not have children and she hungered for a child. She told the Lord, if you'll give me a son, I will give him to you to serve you. The Lord answered her prayer. Aren't you glad we serve a God that can and will answer our prayers? Don't give up, just keep praying. Whatever your request is tonight, even though the answer's been delayed, just keep on praying. In the end of the chapter, she brings the child to Eli, the priest, the one who said, it appears that she was drunken when she was at the altar praying. And if you'll look at verse number 25, and they slew a bullock. That means they made a sacrifice of praise to God. By the way, When God answers your prayer, don't forget to praise him or it may be difficult to get the next prayer answered. James said oftentimes our prayers are not answered because we ask to consume it upon our lust rather than for the glory of God. She truly prayed for a son that she could give to him for his honor and glory. And when God gave her a son, they made a sacrifice to say to God, thank you for answering my prayer. May we never be a people that take for granted the goodness of God, but may we praise him and thank him for his goodness. And brought the child to Eli. And she said, "O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. Can you imagine her looking at Eli and then perhaps the baby when she said, "For this child, I prayed." I'm going to preach tonight on this subject, a vision in the darkness a vision in the darkness. Heavenly Father, I pause to ask that you would fill me with your spirit that your will may be accomplished. The joy, the peace, the gladness in our souls tonight is a wonderful thing. What a joy it is to be in your will. What a joy it is to be with your people in this place tonight. I pray that you would give us what we need this evening. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, and I pray, Lord, that we would desire to have a vision to do a work for you even in a time of darkness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The context of this story is the thing that gets our attention and what causes this prayer and this desire of this woman, Hannah, to get our attention. You see, the book of Judges describes the day in which the people were living. Judges is described and defined by the phrase, and the people did that which was right in their own eyes. They did not follow the law. They did not follow the Lord. They did that which was right in their own eyes. Now and again, there would be a conservative or a righteous judge that would judge righteously and the people would have some reviving of joy and blessing, but for the most part, the Bible said, and the people did that which was right in their own eyes. It was a terrible time in history, and the outlook for the future was not good. It was a time much like in America today. I think we could define the day in which we live as a day where every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Everyone has an opinion and seems to follow uh, that opinion. And the word of God is laughed at and mocked as something that is outdated, something that is in the past and not relevant for today. You can listen to three different people talk about the same subject, whether it be the virus that we're dealing with or whether it be a, a news story and hear three completely different opinions. Some condemn it as being wrong, some praise it, Uh, some condemn action as being wrong, and some praise the action as being good. I think we could define the day, a day in which every man does that which is right in his own eyes. We have a Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court's responsibility is to uphold the law. The Bible, not the Bible, uh, but they give what's called an opinion. The truth is the Supreme Court was never chosen to give an opinion. They were chosen and put in place to say this is what the law says and this is what we're supposed to do as a country but we live in a day that we have no idea no matter what the issue is when it goes to the Supreme Court, whether it be abortion or homosexuality or family or whatever the case may be, we have no idea what the decision is going to be. Much like the day in which Hannah and Samuel lived, a day where every man did that which was right in his own eyes and judges ruled the land, our Supreme Court like their judges now they had some righteous as we have some that would be not righteous but conservative but we have no idea at what they're going to say. In addition to the political landscape of the day in the book of Judges as we enter into 1 Samuel uh, uh, as a, uh, uh, in addition to the political landscape of the day at the temple where the priest Eli was working the conditions were even worse. Are you with me tonight? It was a day of immorality, not in the world, but among the people of God. It was a day of drunkenness, a day like the wine bibbers of our day. The sons of the priest, Eli's sons, that worked in the priest, uh, that worked in the temple, they were wicked men. The Bible says that they did not know the Lord. And there they were working in the temple. And the Bible says that they did not know the Lord, that they were sons of the devil. And we see that in our day to day. We see things from church and they condone what God calls an abomination. They promote what God says is wrong. And the same in that day we see in our day. It was a day where the sons of the priests did not know the Lord. It was a day where the house of God was profaned. The prostitutes were not on the main street or the back street, according to the Bible. The prostitutes worked from the front porch of the temple. The Bible says the people abhorred the offering of the Lord. Pretty bad day, wasn't it? It was a day that you would think I'm gonna quarantine until Jesus comes. I see no hope, I see no help. I mean, it was a day of wickedness. It was a day where the Bible says that the sons of the priests would steal the offering of the Lord, difficult days. In the time of this darkness, Hannah still prayed for a son. Not only did she pray for a son, She prayed for a son that she could give to the Lord. She prayed for a son that would make a difference for the Lord. She prayed for a son that would represent truth and righteousness in the day. You see, she had a vision in the time of darkness. It would have been easy to say in a good day or a day of revival, I want to rear children to be like these men. But you would not say that of Eli he had not heard from the Lord in many years. And when Samuel did come to the temple and he heard from the Lord, Eli didn't recognize until three times that perhaps it is the Lord speaking. So Hannah was not saying, give me a son that can be like the priest. Give me a son that can be like the men of righteousness. She said, Lord, there are no men of righteousness. There are no examples of leadership. But I ask you, Lord, to give me a son. And I will rear him to the place of weaning. And then I will take him to the temple. And I will give him as a servant for the Lord a hunger for a son that would make a difference She had a vision in the darkness. By the way, God heard her prayer. God heard her cry. He saw the seriousness of her heart and God did give her a child and he gave her a son. He gave her a son and she named him Samuel and he did make a difference in the dark days. It was Samuel just as a boy. Think about it now. It was a rare thing to hear from the Lord. They had not heard from the Lord in a long time but Samuel is just a lad. He heard the voice of the Lord When he heard the voice of the Lord He went to Eli and he said Eli, did you call for me? He said, no son, I didn't go back to sleep He laid back down and he heard the voice of the Lord again Oh, what a wonderful thing God was responding, I believe Not just to the behavior of Samuel He was responding to the behavior of a lady Who was a dear godly lady That hungered for some light in the darkness It would have been easy for her to give up and just live her life selfishly. It would have been easier for her to live life without responsibility. But she wanted the responsibility of a son. She wanted the responsibility even though there would be no one to help her and the people that her son would be around at the temple were people that could not be trusted. The Lord used Samuel to make a difference for God began to speak through Samuel. There came a day that Israel desired a king and it was Samuel that anointed uh, uh, the king uh, And then when Saul had sinned against God, Samuel wept before the Lord. He wanted a a king that would do right and a king that would be righteous. And God said to Samuel, he said, I have another king. I have chosen one to be the king. And you know the story is Samuel went down to the house of Jesse. And I love this chapter because of the transparency of humanity. And yet humanity that's yielded to the will of God When Samuel saw Eliab, the son of Jesse, he saw that big man that no doubt reminded him of Saul, a man that was head and shoulders above the people. He said, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But God spoke to Samuel and he said, Samuel, you're looking on the outside. I look on the inside. It's the heart that I'm looking for, not the stature of a man. And oh, Samuel, he had no pride. Samuel did not say, I believe this is the best one. I believe I'll choose this one instead of the will of God. No, Samuel quickly and immediately yielded to God. And he said, Do you have another son? (coughs) He said, I have another son, but he's taking care of the sheep. Do you understand that Samuel was a result of a woman who had a vision in the darkness? When she saw no hope, she still hungered for hope. When she saw no light, she hungered Do you understand that Hannah is no different than you or me? She simply in the darkness hungered for some hope. She hungered for a vision and dear friend, if God would hear her plea and her cry, why would he not hear our cry and hear our plea to bring hope again to our nation that's so far from God? I could go on and on about the life of Samuel but Samuel was a result of Hannah's prayers. If we're not careful, we will think about, talk about, and list all of the reasons why there's no hope in America tonight. We could talk about the problem that's within the military today that seems to not stand wholeheartedly with the president. The media is one of the most disgusting and discouraging things in our nation today working to bring nothing but division and hurt to America, the workers of iniquity on every hand. Many places, churches are still closed, but alcohol has never stopped its flow. In fact, it continues to flow, and it has increased in these days. My heart's been broken by those unable to attend an addictions ministry, those that would be their friend and help them through a difficult time, and yet to hear... The church is not essential, but alcohol is and money given. And I could go on about that, and that's not my purpose tonight. I'm saying, I I, I want to talk about these things. I want you to hear me say them because they're no different than what Hannah faced in the day that she prayed for a son. Protesters that loot and destroy are referred to even as patriots. Abortion continues wholesale and the immorality that goes with it. If folks would live moral lives, I said if folks would live a moral life, I said if folks would live a moral life, there'd be no desire, no request for abortion. It's sad tonight and our hearts are discouraged to see law enforcement maligned and 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 hated and a very few willing to stand. And can I tell you, if you can't stand with law enforcement now when they need it, there'll be no need to stand when everybody's rallying around law enforcement. I want to say it again tonight for those that continue to watch and comment to me, how long are you going to stand with law enforcement as long as there's law enforcement? And I'm not going to let a minority, a few people represent all law enforcement. I'm not going to do that. We have better sense than that. We know better than that. We oftentimes get discouraged by churches that drop their standards of decency and standards of music and standards of living. Where once was a preaching place is now an entertainment center. It's sad to me, but it's becoming popular. You know, old downtown churches are being turned into dance halls and even some of them turned into bars. That's sad to me. I can't tell you how I feel to hear the governor talk about church and being a deacon and keeping the butcher shops open to murder the unborn. I just, it's such a controversy. It's like scratching a blackboard to hear him talk about it. Never saying anything against the immorality that brings about the problem. Talk about a virus and telling everybody to wear a mask. Looks to me like he needs to offer some reason and put a stop to the abortion. To see him have his picture made with a homosexual crowd and to promote it. Then to call churches out his problems. Recently the governor of New York said, we don't need God, we need one another. Confusion and concern on every hand. I say that not to discourage you. I say that to say these are times of darkness. I understand that. I'm not ignoring what's going on, but these were times of darkness in the days of Hannah and in the days of Samuel. But she had a vision. She no doubt could envision a son that would make a difference for God. She had a son that she wanted to serve God. She could have said, I don't want a son and have him go down to that temple. The priest is uh, 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 not trustworthy and those that work there are wicked people. She had all the reasons in the world and yet she still hungered to have a son that would be a lion in a dark world. There are times in our day that people would say there's no hope and I say it again tonight don't you crawl in a hole and hide in a dark day. Folks, we have to have a vision of God and a vision for God in the dark day that we live today. If Samuel could make a difference in his day, we could in just 20 years rear a generation to know God, to know his word, to love God and to serve God. And we could turn this country around. We can We're reaping what we've sown in these last 20 and 30 years. Let's sow different seeds. Let's sow seeds of reaching young people and making a difference to tell them you can make a difference for Christ. I look forward to the Youth Rally Friday and Saturday and I see young people as a hope. And I wanna say to you teenagers tonight, this is your country and you need to decide. I don't wanna live in a nation filled with protesters and looters and those that are too lazy to work. I want to be a part of a generation that follows the word of God and works for a living and lives in the confines and the uh, definition of a home and a marriage and I want to live according to the word of God. I don't care what the world is doing. It's time for us to have a, a vision for God even in darkness. I say tonight, think of the little babies and toddlers that are in our church this evening. We as parents and grandparents, we can't give up on a dark nation. We have to say to them, there's hope in God and there's hope in this book and there's hope in doing right. And can I tell you something? And I I, I want to save this for the very last. It's the last statement of the message. I'm not going to finish now. But do you know how quick God can turn things around? You know how quick God could get the attention of this nation and in this world by morning the whole world could be glued in on some event and God's in control. He's done it so many times. If God's people would just live in such a way that we can get a hold of God, God can make a difference in a short time. While we may be in a time of darkness this evening and in our nation, you and I must have a vision for the future. And I say to our young men and our young ladies that are listening to me tonight, I am disappointed in what's going on, but I'm not at all discouraged because my encouragement does not come from circumstances. My encouragement comes from the Lord, and there is a peace in my soul and a joy, and there is a great excitement for a vision that God has given. I say to you again tonight, God didn't give us 80 acres to raise soybeans on. God gave us 80 acres to do a mighty work for God. By the way, I'm glad to announce right now, tonight, right now in this year, 2020, we're making plans to start another new church here in Kentucky. Later this fall, and I don't know the date yet, Brother Jared Young and his wife Hannah are planting the Liberty Baptist Church in the Bowling Green, Kentucky area. Not time to give up, it's time to have a vision even in the darkness. I'm glad to announce tonight we're starting a new singles Sunday school class, the Crossroads Sunday School class, to say uh, to young people uh, that are entering the time of preparation for how and where they will live their life to say you're at a crossroads Take the direction of following the Lord. Brother Jeremy Fugate and his wife Marilyn are going to direct the new single Sunday school class. I'm excited about what God can do today. You say, preacher, we better hunker down. Oh, no. The only thing to get down and do is pray. It's time to make plans to move forward. I know what they said about Hannah, and you can go ahead and say that about me. Well, she's crazy. She can't have children. You can't do that. Can I tell you something tonight? God wants to do a great work. And God doesn't have to have a multitude of people to do a great work. He needs just a few people that are yielded and willing to do a work for God. I'm glad today that the buses, more of them began to roll. And I'm so glad to get the report today. And I know it's a difficult day. There's no air conditioning on buses. And you think it's hot under here. Uh, You get out of a bus, you think the tent's air conditioned. But I'm thankful for five precious souls, one soul's worth the whole world. I'm thankful for five precious souls. I'm thankful for the great story last week a little girl was visiting her friends from New York here just for one weekend and she rode a bus to church last Sunday afternoon and she trusted Christ as savior. Hey folks, can I tell you it's it's not the program. We don't we don't we don't have to stay with a a program to say you have to go into the building at this time and out at this time. Hey, they were having church before the everywhere buildings, if we have to have church outside, if we have to spread out across this property, we can if we'll trust in him and hunger for God to do a work, I promise you tonight, God hungers to do a work in these days. By the way, do you have a vision for your Sunday school class? Do you have a vision for your bus route? Do you have a vision for lost souls around you? I'm thankful tonight the response to radio and television is like never before. You understand how many families have been to our church in recent weeks and am saying that's the kind of church I want to raise my family in. I mean folks as far away as California have come to say I want to be in a church that has a vision. I want to be in a church that wants to do something for God. I want to be in a church that still believes that God's still in control. I'm thankful for the online ministry that's reaching thousands of people across the country. You understand years ago to have a television ministry would have cost tens of thousands of dollars, but all of this has opened up, and I I know it takes a very strong commitment from Brother Moore and his wife and others uh, that work there, but thousands of people are hearing this message. I mean thousands are going to hear what I'm saying right now. It's a time of darkness, but it's not a time to quit. It's not of time to give up. It's time to make plans and get on our knees and see what it is God would have us to do in these days that are ahead. In the dark days of the Roman Empire, Christians had a vision, and the Book of Acts is an example of what their vision brought about. In the days of homelessness and orphans in Britain, in England, George Mueller had a vision in the darkness. In the days of Pharaoh, Moses had a vision in the time of darkness when it seemed that there was no hope. Can I tell you something about truth? Can I tell you something about Christians? There may be some things you can put out of business, but you want to be careful about crushing truth because truth crushed to the ground will rise again. You want to be careful about trying to stop the church because in attempting to stop the church, you'll multiply the work of the church. I want to make these statements and I'm finished. Number one, the news doesn't determine the will and work of God. The word of God does. I don't care what they say on the news, what this book says, when you get up in the morning and you read the word of God and you listen to the word of God, I'm just finishing the book of Numbers and it's amazing all the numbers and how every person is so important, every tribe, every leader, every individual and God had them numbered. By the way, there is no appendix in the back where God said, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, I counted those people twice. If God said there's 22,841, there was 22,841. Every number was right. I'm saying tonight, the news does not determine the will and the work of God. This book does have a vision for God. I say number two, circumstances do not determine the outcome. You imagine how Paul and Silas must have felt when they were beaten and then they were locked into the stocks and bonds and you imagine their circumstances but in that situation they prayed and they gave praise. I, I didn't say they complained and they and they griped. I said they prayed and they praised God and when they praised God in their difficult circumstances, God said I'm going to go visit them in the jailhouse and there was no jailer that could keep him from visiting and there was no guard that could keep him from going in he went in and the jail was too small for the three of them wouldn't long until they were all out God visited the place where they praised him and recognized that no matter what the circumstances are God is still in control I want to say number three darkness causes people to look for light that's why we need to let our light shine There are folks watching me tonight that haven't been in church, that haven't been going to church, but the last few months they've been watching on television and many have visited church because darkness causes people to look for light. Don't let the darkness discourage you. I'm telling you, friend, there are folks that are looking for the light. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. I want to say number four, darkness reveals the real from the make-believe, and that's what's happening right now. We find out those who have faith. I'm not talking about just attending church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those that have a strong faith in God. I'm talking about those that are on their knees asking and expecting God to do a work. I want to say tonight, hope can spring from unexpected places. When you look at the prophets of old and you see where they came from, Yes, some came from the families of what we would call an aristocrat, but some came from behind the plow, all of them filled with the power of God and given the message of God, and they were hope for a dark day. The preachers of the New Testament, Saul of Tarsus, would have never been considered preaching material or one that would become a preacher that would take the gospel to the known world, and yet God used him in a mighty way. Peter, that quick-tempered fisherman that would use the Lord's name in vain was called to leave his net and follow Christ and that unlikely man became not only a preacher of the gospel, he was used at the day of Pentecost when 3,000 were saved, baptized and added to the church. Matthew was sitting at the receipt of custom. If you were looking for preaching material or those that would become a preacher of the gospel or or, or sharing the good news, uh, you may have looked over Matthew. Oh, but Jesus didn't look over him. I'm saying tonight, hope can spring from unexpected places. Then I want to say in closing tonight, keep praying, keep trusting, keep serving because God can change the direction of a nation just like that. There's so many ways. How many examples do we have to read in the Bible of what God did to get the attention of people? You know what God needs? He just needs people that are righteous enough that hunger for Him to reveal Himself in our day. That's all He needs. You know how quickly God can turn things around? Our God works fast, He works quick. You understand when the children of Israel, when their army was hidden in the dens and the caves, they were afraid to fight Goliath. They were afraid. The king said, "Anybody's willing to go fight Goliath, I will give him my daughter. I, I, I will give him a great inheritance." Looking for somebody that would go, it wasn't a soldier that volunteered. It was a shepherd boy that said, "Is there not a cause?" One day they were in fear. The next day they're singing and they're praising. I got a note this week, you may have seen that the CDC has determined that Goliath actually died of COVID 19. (laughs) He did have a pre existing condition. David had cut his head off, and that contributed to it, but stand with me tonight. Folks, it's a time of difficulty and challenge and confusion. I know it is, but let's have a vision for God. Can you see the building over there completed? Can you see the auditorium? One day we'll look back and say, I remember when a tent was there and we stood right here in this place on straw and we're here. One day, we can't say it tonight. One day we'll say what feels good to be in an air-conditioned building 68 degrees having church. Hard to sleep in church when it's 95 degrees. A vision for God. Preacher, what gives the vision? This old book. In the time of darkness, you start looking for the light. You know, in the time of darkness, even a lightning bug can be found. Let your light shine. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd give a vision in the time of darkness. I pray that you'd help us not to give up on our bus routes, not to give up on our ministries, our Sunday school classes. I pray that Sunday school teachers would imagine tonight what their Sunday school class is going to look like in a year from now, filled with new faces of folks being saved, lives being changed, folks saying that's the kind of Sunday school class, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. I stand here tonight amazed and overwhelmed at your goodness tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for your provision. I'm thankful for, Lord, just, just, just how you've blessed Dear God, I ask that you would see our hearts and our prayers and our hunger would be for you to do a work in our day. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed as she plays on the invitation.